What's up, what's up, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of Black Up. It's your boy, Brandon LaPriest. We're so happy that you guys took time out to join us on today. I'm going to let my co-hosts introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Dr. Curtis. Hey, y'all. This is Takoya. Hi, everybody. This is Lucy Lou. And this is Tania. All right, and tonight we're going to be focusing on um, our episode. going to be focused around mental health. Um, so we can go ahead and hop right on in tonight. Um, so I first want to say thank you guys for joining us and for tuning in and for checking on our previous podcast. And let's go ahead and hop into our episode. So I want to start off with asking you guys, how was your mental health during this time? We know we have so much stuff going on with the pandemic, of course, with current recent events. Um, what's your mental health state looking like right now? Well, how much time I'll do we start. have? Um, because my mental health is all over the place. Before the pandemic, before the before all of the all the racial trauma, uh, I think just in general, I think me, myself, I kind of carry myself up tight a little bit. I'm wound a little bit tight. And so um, I guess the, the pandemic has really made me sit with myself because I think in my life, I spend so much time distracting myself from things, whether it be like in work or putting my kid in a hundred things or whatever, I distract myself. I never really had so much time to just sit with me. Even in my childhood, my parents would put me in a bunch of activities and homework and play club and blah, blah, blah. So this is really the first time that I've had just time to sit with myself. And it's been eye-opening, okay? <laughs> I love it. I love it. What about you, Antonio? Um, well, this has been like a a very like insightful and eye-opening, scary experience for me I'll just like all those emotions wrapped up into one um just because I have never spent this much time to myself you know like I'm you know busy here and there with like working things but just having time to like really deal with some stuff like um some emotions some past events um has caused like you know, me to have, I feel like sometimes I have like mood swings at, on, you know, throughout the day um, just because I'm trying to cope or try to deal with some of the things that I haven't dealt with before. Um, It's been, for the most part, interesting. Um, I have my days, but other than that, I've, I've been doing pretty good. For the most part, I've been working every day. Um during the pandemic, even during the time when everybody else was kind of at home, I was still working. So um, when I did come home with everything closed, you know, that's a good time to just sit and think about, you know, what's going on in the world. Gotcha. And Lucy, talk to us. Um, I'm kind of with everyone. Like I have good days. I have bad days. Um, I have been a lot more anxious. I've never really been an anxious person, but I have dealt a lot more with symptoms of anxiety. Um, you know, counseling and, and mental health is my sandbox. So I've recognized it in myself that, um, I'm procrastinating, putting things off because I have a million tabs open in my brain. Um, it's been scary because um, I did the self-quarantine kind of early on in the situation because I was around someone. But thankfully, I never 
um, presented with any symptoms, but I did take it upon myself. But I was like wrecking my brain, like, oh my gosh, did I expose someone unknowingly? You know, so it has been pretty intense. Um, as Antonio said, I have sat with myself and done some self evaluation, you know, thought about a lot of things, gained some clarity. It has been a roller coaster experience. Um, definitely had to indulge in a lot of self care to kind of maintain. I love that everyone kind of had something um, up to say about the sitting with yourself and that sense of isolation. Um, we always hear that that common phrase that elevation requires isolation sometimes. How do you feel as if how? you've elevated yourself and how do you feel like it's really affected you in a positive way? Even though we've been forced to be at home, we've been forced to spend that time um, in our homes by ourselves, away from others, away from our family members, away from our friends, um, really not being able to socialize as much as we would like to. How do you do you think that you've grown? Do you think that you've progressed positively or see any positive changes in your life during this time? Yeah, all of that. I, I think I've grown because you realize some of the small stuff that you was, you know, stressing about, it doesn't matter. Like life is too short. You know, a lot of people losing their lives due to this virus and just being able to, you know, talk to people, tell them how you feel, you know, just remembering, you know, that, Small stuff doesn't matter. Don't be stressing over the small stuff. And then I've been trying to look into different things, too, as far as, like, how to progress, you know, with different business ideas and opportunities. Because, like, some of these jobs that you thought were, like, long-term or permanent positions, they really, you know, was considered non-essential. So you kind of have to reinvent yourself, especially, like, if you was just in one industry. I love that. Talk That's more about that reinventing yourself because I know like so many things have taken place. Like for I know most of us are educators. Even in that standpoint, we've seen how education has gone online. Um, we've seen so many different jobs that require you to go into a building has you know gone completely online or we're doing Zoom calls. We're doing different things like that. And like you said, that job security aspect, which plays a huge part of our mental health, it really requires you to really you know think. Okay, like it. You have to really be cautious and that you don't go into a place of depression and a place of anxiety because you're trying to figure out what's going to happen with my job or do I have job security or am I considered an essential worker or am I putting myself at risk by going to work? And of course, we even have that thing now where it's almost time for the kids to go back to school and it's like, oh, do I send my personal child back to school or, you know, what's going to happen? Are we going to be safe? Can we actually socially distance in a, in a school building? So we have so many different thoughts going on with that. Um, so, so let's talk about that job security. How have you guys been feeling about um, all the current events with job security? Well, if I could just say, you know, for me, I'm an educator um, and I feel like being in the in this quarantine situation, it kind of made me peel back my identities, you know, like who I am as a person. Uh, I found like who I am beyond just being a classroom teacher in the beginning when we first got the stay home order or whatever, I was like, yes, I'm about to take bubble baths and drink all day. That's going to be life. But like, I became so sad. And I don't know if y'all felt this. It was probably about two weeks in. And I was like, I just want to see my, my kids. I just want to see my students. And um, and peeling that back, like that was so much a part of me um, and other stuff too. But like, like we were saying, spending some time with yourself, like really getting to know who you are, 
Like, who is Takoya when she can't get her nails done? Who is Takoya when she can't get bundles like that? And who is Takoya if she not um, teaching the children face-to-face? And I'm excited to go back to school. Of course I am to see the babies. But um, but also in the back of my mind, I think this is probably, let me clear my throat and say this. <clears throat> this is a terrible idea and probably the worst decision that the state can make. I feel as an educator, extremely undervalued. Um, I felt before uh, when just with funding and class sizes and stuff, I felt like I wasn't valued by the state. And now I, I come to find out that my life isn't even valuable to the state. Wow. And, and I think I that, that has played on a lot of educators, um, mental health, um, just, you know, what's going on with the schools and just going on with job security. Because I'm in a group on Facebook with other educators. And in one area, um, my position was being cut in a different state due to COVID. And it's just, you know, you start thinking about those things and they do play on your mental health and they do make you think like, hey, can that happen here? But one thing that I've tried to do throughout this whole thing is look at the small things that I've been taking for granted and try to be more grateful. I've been trying to have an attitude of gratitude throughout this whole ordeal because it has been very stressful. Like I've experienced some things during this um, COVIDcation or whatever you want to call it. Yes, this quarantine that has, you know, it's it's been a lot. And like not myself, but, you know, my family in general just have experienced some things and it is hard. And um, as Sequoia said, as we're headed towards August and talks of going back to school, I think there are many because kids going back to school can affect parents, jobs. It can affect families in so many different ways. So I think for a lot of people. Mental health is a big thing because, I mean, if you look in the news, even the singer Tamar Braxton, like we don't know what happened with her, but we see that they're claiming that she had a suicide attempt. So it's showing that no matter your socioeconomic status, we're not exempt for these pressures. Like, I don't know what's going on with her, but I can't, you know, during this time where everything is kind of shut down. So as the said, some of the things we're used to, we're not able to partake in. I haven't been able to take a vacation because, you know, I'm trying to stay safe and it's a lot of pressures on us. So. I definitely um, think a lot of us, like, I honestly don't feel like too many people are exempt from feeling some type of pressure from this COVID-19 situation on top of what we already had going on in our lives. So it's like it's compounded. With the racial injustice that we're seeing in our current events, how have those things really played a toll on your mental health? I mean, after watching so many videos um, and stuff, it definitely does affect you. You can't deny, you know, we've seen so many videos of unarmed black people and, you know, um, the protesters of all colors be um, brutalized by the police. And we've just seen a lot. We've taken in a lot of data. We've consumed a lot of media. And I would think it's safe to say that we've all been affected in some shape, form or fashion. I've had to take a break. Because I definitely believe in protecting my mental health and I was consuming too much because you before, you know, you're going to spend hours scrolling on social media or, or um, watching the news and watching someone be, you know, watching someone die, someone get killed and stuff. That right. stuff is gruesome. And, you know, you can become desensitized from it. So I definitely think it does have a, a effect because. You know, you're sad, you're angry, you're mad. Like, it's so many emotions that you're going through. Um, it definitely has had a, a, an effect. 
And I think even on top of that, like as you're watching the videos and you're watching the the news articles, you're reading the news articles, but also to look at the commentary that's under the articles, the commentary yes. that's under the videos and see the different perspectives. It's a lot because it's like, do people who actually live near me, do they really think like this? Like, it's unheard of, the, the lack of compassion, the lack of humanity. Like, it's just hard to believe that we have people who live in our communities. Because it's not people who live on the other side of the country. Like, it's people who live right here down the road. Um, it might not be anywhere I know personally, but just to know that, you know, it's all being streamed from a, a news channel that's in our area, a local news um channel. And it's just like, do they really think like that? Did they really just say that? Are they really, you know, are they really making these comments? Um, and then you have some of them who are professionals and it's just like, wow. So it's it's a lot on your mental health. Like when you're really thinking about it and like you're thinking about, I work with some people like this, you know, who, who, it also makes you start thinking like, what are the people who are around me? Like, what are my neighbors thinking? What are you know my coworkers thinking? So. I agree with you on that, Brandon. That's um that commentary up under it. That is something that that really hurts my heart. And you think about, well, I think about my child and how many people that uh, that I do trust with my with my child. Now, I want to be clear. I don't just trust anybody with my kid. But if you think about it, how many people do our children interact with? Maybe not your personal children, but think about like your younger cousins or nieces or nephews and stuff. What their teacher could be racist and you and you not know. And your child might, you know, be feeling that, not be able to articulate that. And that could have a toll on their mental health down the road or their sense of confidence down the road, you know, or it could be like that school nurse or it could be when you take your child to the doctor or whatever. It's all of these people that really do touch our lives and the lives of our children, which I think is most important. And they could be harboring these hateful spirits, you know. And right. that's, that that bothers my soul, and it creates a sense of uh, of anxiety for me, uh, and it makes me want to keep me and my kid in a bubble. But in however, uh, if I want my bubble to continue to be paid for and have lights on, I have to go to work. So I right. have to allow my kid to be involved with these people. And so um, here at home, what I try to do, I try to build his confidence up. I try to make that little boy big. I try to just build his confidence up so much so that when he comes into contact with these people, his confidence is not hurt and his mental health is not deteriorated by feeling like he's being brought down because my teacher might not call on me all the time or my teacher might, I might not be my teacher's favorite student because that teacher might just hate your color. What else are y'all doing at home to like build up, build up yourselves and, you know, Build up our children. Well, for me, I've just been trying to read. I've been trying to read positive things and just trying to stay focused and not because, like Lucy said, you know, watching the news and things like that that can have a toll. That can take a toll on you mentally. So I've just been trying to, you know, watch little comedies and stuff like that, or just read because I enjoy reading. So that's that's keeping me sane. Oh no, I was just gonna say doing what we're doing right now helps me. Um, this podcast, you know, came was an idea due to us being quarantined and our conversation. So this helps me get my emotions out. It helps me have a healthy discussion with people that I love and respect and how we just check on each other. Like I that's really helping me. 
So I appreciate it. And, you know, I try to take breaks. Um, I try to, you know, detox from social media and the news. Um, I have been being who watching shows might not be the healthiest or the most productive way, but you know, funny things on TV and stuff just to kind of help me, um, close some of the tabs out of my mind and just focus on something that's not negative and something that I know that I know is fiction, you know, um, that's been kind of helping me out. I agree um, with Lucy. I think it's just important that we have an opportunity to make sure we have people in our lives who we can talk to, a safe place um, where you can just go and you know, express yourself, talk about your, your talk about your day, talk about your feelings, talk about the things that you're experiencing. Um, whether it's family, whether it's friends, um, it's just important to have that tribe. We talked about the word tribe um, a couple of weeks ago, but just having people that's in your corner that you know have your best interests at heart. Um, also, I, I love music. Music is like my, it's my safe place. It's just my my getaway. I can just put my AirPods in and I'm good after that. So I think it's just important to make sure you have some type of um, some type of outlet that's just healthy and allows you to go and just get away from everything that's going on around you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, that's what I was going to say. I, I love music too. So I love to just sit down and uh, just create a playlist of like songs that I am feeling you know, particularly that day and just kind of have a way to emote how I'm feeling, you know, uh, instead of having to express it verbally, I can like listen to it. Um, and so that's like, that's soothing to me. You know, I try, I've tried other things like writing in journals and and stuff like that. Um, and writing in a journal tends to not be as effective for me to like, uh, help me to kind of like soothe through like, you know, uh, feelings of emotions. Um, but I, I love going outside. So anything that I'm doing outside, like walking, jogging, hiking, whatever, those are things like for me to get out and just do it. Oh yeah. And our competitions too. That's been keeping me busy too. Yeah. Uh, you know, workout competitions. I like that. And then I agree with Tony O the music. Like I listen to music every day. I mean, I wake up, I start listening to music. I go to sleep. I'm listening to music. So I enjoy sharing like little songs with you guys too in playlists. That's one thing I miss um, is having our CDs and having playlists. Like because we go on everything is so digitized. It's, we don't really have those plays, playlists anymore. So I think that's important. We can get back to that too. But I also, I also enjoy going outside and hiking and just enjoying outdoors as well. Oh, yes. We had a great time going out hiking. And like Tonio said, just people don't understand the importance of getting out in nature. You know, just getting outside. The vitamin D um, is very, very important and it helps with your mental health. Um, a lack of vitamin D can affect your mental health and just grounding. I believe in grounding like um, we come from the earth. So I do think it is important to like kind of get out in the earth. Um, But one thing that I do like to tell people is just like, hey, some days your self-care is going to look different than what you did the day before. Some days, like for me, journaling does not work. So I have to try something different. And I think sometimes people think, oh, I have to have like this fancy plan for mental health, you know, taking care of my mental health or, or, you know, self-care. No, it doesn't have to be fancy. Some days it's me rocking out in my car to whatever is on the radio. Other days, I'm very intentional. Like Tonya said, I have a playlist. Some days, I come in here and I color my coloring book. Other days, I'm playing with a fidget spinner that I took from a student about four years ago. So it just depends on what we're feeling. And I tell people, don't be afraid afraid to explore. 
there are different things um, that you can do. I honestly have a worksheet that I keep in my, um, I have that has like 101 coping skills. I give it to my students, but I also keep it. Because some days, you know, I try to try different things. And some days what I've always done isn't working that day. Oh, watching mm. Instagram funny videos isn't working. So let me try something else. And I think that's the one thing that people sometimes gets mixed, get mixed up with um, mental health and doing self-care. Oh, this one thing is going to work all the time. No, it may look very different day right. by day. So don't be afraid to try different things. Don't be afraid to reach back in your your childhood and pull out something that you enjoyed back then, you know, just to kind of, you know, help you. So that's just one thing that I want people to just to kind of realize about mental health and self-care. It is not going it's not a one size fix all solution when it comes to coping skills. Don't be afraid to try different coping strategies because um, I am a 31 year old that has probably more crayons and coloring pencils than most children. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, in the African American community, mental health has such a negative stigma. Um, a lot of times, we hear people. Talk, <laughs> if people talk about they're going to get counseling or they need to go see a psychiatrist or anything of that nature, we always hear like we don't do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Why do y'all think that it is that there's such a negative connotation behind mental health, behind counseling, behind um, going to see someone professionally who can provide you with assistance? I think sometimes there's just a negative connotation behind us seeking help for anything. Like we supposed to be able to handle this stuff ourselves. You know, when I think about uh, African-American people going to counseling, if you if an African-American person says like, oh, yes, I'm on this. uh, I don't know. Whatever. I'm on this. I'm on this antidepressant. You gonna look at them, or not really y'all, but somebody look at them like you on antidepressants. What? But if an African American says, "Yeah, I smoke weed every day to stay," I smoke to stay regular. That's normal. Okay, that makes sense. You know, because we we do so much ourselves. We self medicate. We self diagnose, and, wow. and I think that sometimes uh, not getting a proper diagnosis and trying to self medicate sometimes mm. that's a slippery slope. We all that's got cool. it, Uncle. But yeah. do you know why we don't go try to go or seek help? It's because we don't have too many people that look like us to Absolutely. go to. Because I, I would love to go talk to somebody like every week, you know, because sometimes my mind be running like 24-7, like with work and my workload and everything. But then I'm like, where can I find this person? Especially, you know, where in the town I live in, like you don't, it's hard to find somebody who looks like me, who I can sit there and talk to. And then I don't want to go to someone who doesn't, who, or who can't relate to me, you know, right. I'm him or her, like, Oh, let me tell you about this. You know, this happened at work. And I know they didn't even try to consider this person because it's Y Z and they're going to be looking at me like, what? Right. And I don't it's feel the- like trying to explain it when I'm just trying to vent to somebody. <laughs> Right. It definitely makes a huge difference when a person can relate to you versus, you know, what I'm saying? like if you if you never experienced it for yourself or you never you know had a conversation about it before, it's going to be hard to listen to what you have to say to me. So I agree with you 100 percent. Like it's hard to find people who actually look like us and understand our experiences and understand the background behind it or who can even relate to you in those situations. I couldn't agree more. And also to take it a step further, I think there's a justified mistrust between African-Americans and the medical community, like period. 
I mean, we were experimented on. Facts. You know? We that did happen, and it didn't happen that long ago. So, I what I'm saying is like it. It is more. It is a bigger challenge, and in counseling, it's really important to have trust. And Lucy can speak more on that. Mm-hmm. Trust is like the foundation of, yes. of a relationship between you and your counselor. And so, if an African American person who justifiably mistrusts the medical community, you know, and we could go on and on about the horrendous experimentation they did on our bodies. Um, no, they're not going to go to counseling. They're going to they gonna go and smoke weed to feel better. Or they're going to go and drink to self I want to, I want to, I want to disagree, disagree with you a little bit. I don't know if it's, it's if it's, if it's that, if that's the reason why in the black community, we don't seek out medical attention or therapy and stuff. I feel like it's to, to me, I feel like it's lack of access to those to those services. That's I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's, it, there's a, in a, there's just a gap in, in just uh, wealth or just money that's brought in for a lot of families to be, you know, to put in to get those types of services. You know, um, you know, I'm very lucky that I'm in a career field and, and in my position, I'm able to get those services through my employer. Uh, you know, um, and but I could, I could, I feel like there's so many other families who just don't have that. Well, same. yeah, I think I would agree with that, but I do think that the foundation is is a generational thing, and and I think the foundation is a general mistrust of the medical community. And yes, I think that there are some access issues as well. But I know a lot of African American people that have um, that have uh, uh, what's called Medicare. Medicaid, sorry, that have Medicaid and and still won't go, who will who will sit and refuse to go because of that mistrust. Can I chime in? I think that both things. Please. So, um, I agree with everything that has been said. I think it is a very complex when we say why. I definitely think that access. I think that. There's a the statistic is there's only four percent of black people in the psychology field that includes counselors. So representation matters. Um, and I saw a news story that taught they taught they spoke about this exactly. And they were talking about, you know, sometimes we have a little slang or different things that we don't have to explain to another black person. It's just like it's understood unwritten rules, that unwritten communication. But I do think it comes from distrust. Um also, I think because it's not promoted and it's stigmatizing the black community, people don't understand the importance of yeah. it. I hear a lot of times, oh, just pray That's about definitely. it. I'm a firm believer in right. God. I love me some Jesus. But I think that you can have therapy and you can have God too. I think that God gave people gifts to be able to help one another. And so no That's matter what people's religious background is, I think that because of the stigmas and stuff, I do think the stigma is a big part. I think the access is a big part. I think that the distrust is a big part. I think that, um, as Takoya said, seeing someone, and Tania said, seeing someone that looks like me who can understand me, I'm going to be very transparent here. I've had both a black therapist and a white therapist. My experiences were very different. It was a very different experience. Um, and I'm, I can't be. I can't lie here. I did have a a, a better experience um, 
with the black counselor. And also, I think another thing is sometimes as black people, um, black men or probably men in general, but I know specifically black men sometimes feel like, oh, I can't express emotion. So by going to therapy, I'm showing a weakness. Black women sometimes put on the cape of being superwoman. So again, and then also mm. the mantra of what goes on in this house stays in this house, which comes from a distrust. Yes, so I think there's a mm. lot. I think it's multifaceted. I think it's a very complex issue because working in therapy, most of my clients are white. And I do have some black um, clients and I can just sometimes you can just kind of tell there is um, there is a difference of priority and I get it. But if you think about it, if I am a mother and I got to work my job, I got to pick up a double shift because things are going on. I may not have a car. You know, there are a lot of different circumstances that we look at. So sometimes I tell people. It, it may not be lack of access. It might just be not a priority right now because I got to work double shifts or it's just so many different things. But I do think as the, in the black community, we got to do a, a better job of promoting it. I'm not afraid to tell people, hey, I went therapy. When I lost my daddy, that rocked my foundation. I never thought about my daddy not being on this earth. Like I just never thought about it. And even though he had cancer and I saw him decline, when it hit me, all of my counseling training went out the window. And I had to go talk to somebody, but it was one of the best experiences that I've had. And I tell people it is nothing wrong. I think it is brave and courageous to be vulnerable and to talk to someone who doesn't know your situation, know your circumstances. And I just think there's so much that can come out of it, so much growth. I was challenged and I think I'm a pretty strong person. And, you know, I think I'm headstrong. I'm quick on my feet. But when I tell you, I've left out of those sessions before, like, whoa, I didn't even think about that. So I think it's valuable, but again, I do think within our community there are a lot of factors that are that's preventing people from seeking therapy. And I agree with with everything you everybody know, you said. You said something so powerful just now. The word was vulnerable. Mm. It requires Ooh. us to be vulnerable, and it's a lot of times as African Americans, like that's hard for us. That's not an easy. That's not an easy task for us to complete because we have so many different things. Sometimes we have we become so callous. And we become so numb to situations and it requires us to peel off so many different layers, things that we've dealt with in our childhood, things we've dealt with in our families, things that we've dealt with that we never spoke about, things that we dealt with on our jobs, um, in the community, watching the TV shows, watching the news. It's so many different things that we have that's been poured into us and so many different things that's happened to us. And like you say, a lot of times we have that mentality, what happens in this house stays in this house. And it really requires us to be vulnerable. And a lot of times we don't know what vulnerability looks like, or we've never felt like we could go to a safe place and actually be vulnerable with someone and tell them what's going on and how we're feeling. And I think that's even more powerful for the simple fact that when you go to a therapist, you're going to a complete stranger. How am I supposed to go up here and trust this person? I know they have, they swear this oath that said they're not going to share my business, but how do I go in this person's office and pour out my goods and be prepared to have those hard conversations that they, they I mean, they went to school to actually, you know, break down those walls and break down those barriers. But how do I prepare myself to go in and discuss things that I've never had to deal with before? I, I definitely think that that's, that's, it's hard sitting in that chair and bearing your yeah. soul to somebody. It's hard. But as you all have yeah. been saying, I definitely think it is the relationship with that counselor. Now I'm not going to say that you, someone can't go to a non um, black counselor and have a great experience. I'm not going to say that, but just from my personal experience, I had a greater 
um, I had a greater interaction with the black council because she was not afraid to challenge me. Oh my goodness. She challenged me to the core, but I, I just think that it does <laughs> that conversation and being able to, you know, we can pick up on people's energy and stuff. And I tell people, Hey, if you get a bad counselor, yeah. don't stop going. Cause I just don't give up on it because just like they're different counselors, they're different, like they're different hairstylists, they're different doctors. Like, you know, sometimes you, you're like, well, I don't like this doctor. I'm a switch. It's the same thing with counseling. Some people try it one time. Well, I had a bad experience and won't go back. Don't do that. People like you really got to try it. So I, 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 I think being vulnerable is one of the most powerful things that we can do. But it is one of the hardest things. And this is the last thing I'm saying because I'm be quiet because y'all know I can go on about this topic all day and all night. Brene Brown has a TED talk yeah, on vulnerability yeah. and she has a book on it. If you all have not, please check it out. If at least just check out the TED talk. Yeah, um, it's so powerful. And I think being vulnerable, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable and vulnerable can help us grow in so many ways, especially this mental health sector that we're talking about. And I'm going to be quiet. All right. So my next question is, what are some of the greatest challenges that you think are prevalent in the African-American community that affects our mental health? I I think it's mostly systemic things, basically. Um, I think Lucy kind of touched on this, like living conditions, education, job availability, uh, social injustice. Because you got to think, we don't, some, some people don't have, especially some black people don't have the opportunity to get help, whether they, because they can't find a job or maybe it's because the benefits at that job, like you have to be at a certain position at that company in order to have, you know, the decent or good benefits or things like that. Some companies don't have an EAP program, so you don't know what kind of opportunities you can have as far as like mental health um, places you can go to or for any kind of drug abuse, depression, things like that. They don't have that opportunity. And it's basically, you got to think, you have people who can't find a job. That's going to be on your mental right there. When you do find a job, you go into that job, you already got problems, you know, whether it's somebody, it may be systemic, like maybe our upper management is white or our upper management is, um, it's no diversity. So you constantly, even though you might work super hard, you the best worker out there, you constantly getting overlooked for promotions, things like that. And it's always somebody coming in with less education than you less experienced than you, but they get the opportunity you don't. That way on your mental. Mm-hmm. People get tired of that. Then you say, oh, I'm going to find me another job. Then you have to go to another job. You got two degrees and you still coming in making wow. the same amount with somebody with a high school diploma or making a little bit more than, you know, Susie across the, the room. Right. But she only has like an associate's degree. That will piss you off <laughs> and that's real that's happening right. out here yeah. and, that, and that's, 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 that's exactly what i was talking about to me like that wearing on your mental like that 
that feeling like you're not good enough, feeling like you're not worthy enough, like you having to work. You know how uh, Olivia Pope daddy say you got to work twice as hard to get half as much doing that your whole life. But you know your worth. You know you can do better. You know what you yes. capable of doing. It's having the opportunity to, to do it. That's right. That's exactly what I was trying. Well, what I was trying to articulate earlier. It's like, and and I, well, I can speak for me. I've been going through that like since school. Since I've been in like a little kid. You know, we have to try so hard and put forth so much effort, and that stuff wears on you. It really wears on you. You so right on that. You know, I seen a study. I forgot who wrote this article, but I think it was uh, CNN. But it was saying how um, racism um, really takes a toll on your mental. Um, they follow a few people. I forgot how many people they follow and for how many years. But it was a proven fact that if you experience racism on a constant basis, that it will mess with your mental state. Like some people become depressed. Some people always, you know, do I have to watch my back when I go in here? Okay. I want to go to this town, but, or I want to visit this country, but let me see how they feel about people who look like me. Will I be safe? You know, some people don't have to worry about that. I mean, let's keep it real. Some people don't have to look up a, a state or, you know, a little town because let's keep it real. We go to Georgia. Most of the time, if I go to Georgia, I'm only going to three places, Atlanta. Well, really just Atlanta or Savannah, basically. I'm not going too far in Georgia. Right. Because like that little Kendrick, remember him? I forgot his last name. Johnson, they found that boy rolled up in that mm-hmm. Yeah, Johnson. You know what I'm saying? You can't even get gas in a little town. Without having to watch your bag. Mm-hmm. Texas, like Sandra Bland, she was on her way to an interview, minding her business. Come on. And look, like, it's crazy. And people really think black people be tripping about stuff like, oh, my gosh, you're just overreacting. No, I'm not overreacting. I do think that, um, you know, I, I, I do think that... Um, when we do experience, you know, uh, stereotypes uh, or, you know, microaggressions and stuff, it does have a mental effect on us. And it does, it does impact us in ways where we have to, especially with microaggressions, you have to kind of question like, oh, did that just happen or did it not happen? Because it's not that it what I think it meant or <laughs> it not. Right. it's not. Yeah, it's not it's not overt. So you have you trying to figure out like what just happened here, you know? And so um, those types of actions can have a lot of impact on us, and it can have a lot of impact on, uh, you know, you know. Takoya mentioned earlier, like how our children in schools. So you know, when teachers come in with some of these very implicit biases, or anybody in any job comes in. Mm-hmm kind of perpetuate these ideas and um and you don't know exactly when you're perpetuating these ideas because they're they're uh subconscious right mm-hmm. and so but they're kind of like just little i forgot somebody call it like toxic tears before just like toxic just you just keep you keep tearing at somebody but you are doing it sometimes not realizing that you're doing it um so yeah, I feel like we 
I feel like uh, as black individuals, I think we go through a lot of different situations, not just in, in regards to just race, but a lot of situations just like, you know, everyone else that really impacts us. But I think that because um, just as we have stated before, all these variety of reasons of not being able to see, you know, seeking mental health or, you know, seeking a therapist or seeking medical guidance as a, as a thing. I don't know exactly where that came from to be, to be honest with you, but I feel like because of some of these factors that we have stated, like, I do think it's like, like just a big ball of all of it right together. That's causing, causing us to feel this way. We haven't talked about Kanye West and in, in mental health and in, in, in thinking about that. Oh, yes. How, yep, how do you yep. that has impacted a lot of people, you know, in particular his, his, his black fans? What I'm saying is he, he, yeah, he is bipolar, but he um, is really having a problem with his wife. And that's mostly why he's having uh, outbursts. But if I'm not mistaken, Azalea Banks is bipolar too. And I feel like people have treated her way different than they have treated Kanye. If that makes sense. In a positive or negative way. In a negative way. They harder on yay. That's what I'm saying. No, I feel like they, I feel like they hard on both of them, but they may be a little bit more harder on Azalea. Well, she's not on Kanye's level either. Cause I don't know who she is. So yeah, I was, I was yeah, who that was. Who was Azalea Banks? Give me she's some a more. rapper. Oh, is okay. she? Yeah. Oh, she's the one that's always arguing with people. Yeah, I was thinking mostly they. Yeah, you're right. She's not on the level as far as like a celebrity, but at the same time, I feel like she's a woman, and they kind of looking at her like whatever, and he's a man, so they giving him the benefit of the doubt. Wow, that's deep, um, T. That's really. I don't deep. even know if it's that, Tania. I don't even know. I, I feel like I'm disagreeing with everybody. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know if 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 it's even looking at like the gender thing. I just think it's really that people, um, really people have a lot of people know Kanye. Like he's he's really famous, right? And he is. Some people regard him as a genius, as a musical genius. They see that he has made billions of dollars. He's worth $5 billion now. And so I think people just allow him to do what he needs to do, you know, and and then also like he doesn't have family too that helps him with taking care of his, like, I feel like his mental health and, and, and things as well. He doesn't have like a strong support system. Ooh, I, I so would say... That Kanye was likable when he first came out. Cause when I was in college. Oh, I love me some Kanye West. His music was phenomenal. It was dope, and I do think that's kind of different from Isaiah Banks. Cause now that I'm thinking about it, I've seen her. I I didn't know her besides being on Shade Room. Like I've never heard any of her music. I think that's also a difference too. Kanye was very likable at one point. People loved him. We loved his music. Everybody had them little backpacks, you know. He had an influence on the culture. Like, he's a producer. As far as her, I don't know that young lady. 
Like, I don't know nothing about her besides she argued. I've seen her argue with everybody, like just random people. But one thing I do want to say. <laughs> I was going to say, well, maybe that's the, that's the thing. She she never had the chance. She always had a, uh, a episode. Well, and people, I think another thing that besides Kanye's success, something that people really, really empathize with him on is the loss of his mother. Yes. That, I, and think I think that's that, one yep. of the greatest things they always say he never had a chance to heal from it. He never had a chance to really, you know, release and just kind of go out of the limelight to deal with that on his own. And I think that's kind of why people kind of give him a pass from time to time. Because mm-hmm. anytime he has a breakdown, that's always the first thing that we go to because death is a very traumatic thing for people. And I think that's something else that, you know, we don't really deal with correctly all the time is the grief process with our mental health and how it takes a toll on us and how it affects us. But I think that's one of the reasons why he gets a pass over some of the other people who make, um, you know, outbursts and rambunctious comments in public. I think also, yes, he is, you know, he, he has a great platform, but I also think it's because I'm sorry, because of the death of his mother. I said death. I just said definitely. Yes, I, I I definitely think that's why because this Azalea girl, we don't know her. Like so nobody has a backstory with her to empathize or sympathize. And I think with Kanye, so many people have lost a loved one before. And that can cause people to lose it. Um that losing his mother was a precipitating event that could have caused him to develop bipolar. So I do think that's like you right. want to say you that's could, why people But just because you don't know her, you don't you you I mean that's I think that's part of the problem because we feel like just because we don't know nobody, we can't sympathize and empathize with them. She should yes, yeah, she a celebrity, like she might be a D list celebrity, but still, you know, people will drag her instead of being like, Okay, well maybe, you know, something happened to that girl. So maybe she needed to go see somebody, you know. I but, but even though even though we're seeing like both Kanye and Azalea Banks, like just seeing their reactions online and things, how do you think that perpet? What message does that send back to people about mental health? I mean, most people making jokes. To be honest, mm-hmm. right? It's not as serious. They don't see it as something serious. It's I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, yeah, like some people like making jokes. They like, oh, you know, what's wrong with your man? He didn't, ever since he got with new Kardashians, he didn't, he's been wilding. But then you got some people like, hey, for real, Kanye going through it, y'all. Think about yeah. his mama, you know, you know, he don't really have no family. Right. You know, and he does have this little uh, family that he's constructed, the, the Kardashian family. It's not good for him. It's not good for him. I think Well, I, I feel like yeah, I, I go ahead, Lucy. I'm sorry. Mm, go ahead. Go I ahead. think you're gonna you're gonna say what I want you to say. Go ahead. Oh well <laughs> I'm trying to try to try to say what you think. No, I'll say it, I'll say it, I'll say it. If Kanye West, if Kanye West was with a black girl. No, that ain't what I was gonna say. That is not what I was gonna say. Nope. Black girl with a Ben Took Yang phone. Give me that oh. phone, Kanye. If, oh. Even if he was with Amber Rose, Amber Rose wouldn't let this fly. No, you ain't running no. for President Yay, Sit no. down. No. But how I do you truly control a grown man? Yeah. True. Well, let me tell you. Because I control several. It's called the squeeze. First of all, and you make him do whatever you want. 
So let's let me put this out there. Britney Spears' father used there was a hashtag yeah. free Britney yeah. campaign that was going on. And I think if if what people are saying no. that Britney Spears' father is doing her, it is horrible. He has had her basically considered unable to care for herself. And she he is now um it's a conservatorship. He is over everything over her. She can't go get ice cream by herself. That is no way for a grown person to live. And I think sometimes like in that case, he's taking, he might be taking advantage of her. And that's what they're saying. You see her Instagram video. She she looked like she need help though. She might need help, but her daddy called the police on her for going to get ice cream and had her locked up. I think that's extreme. If Ye was with a black girl, I don't. He think would that. not be doing all of this. I don't agree with that, Takoya. I that like. I'm not saying that a woman is responsible for her husband's or her boyfriend's whatever's mental health. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that Ye would not be running for president if he was with Amber Rose. That's not. That's not true though, because R. Kelly wife. If R. Kelly got mental problems too, and R. Kelly, if if you gonna say that, then uh, R. Kelly wife should have stopped him from sleeping with little kids. No, I'm not saying that his mental health. I'm not talking about his mental health. His mental health is not her responsibility. She can't stop him from being a pedophile. She can't. But can she? But she can make she, sure he don't tweet about it. But she can make sure. Yes, he don't but can about she though? But can she though? I was gonna Did say he tweet this about course. it. No, I'm talking about I'm talking about Kim. I'm talking about Kim. It might not have been the same place. You might have been on the other side of the world. Because think about it, he was just in South Carolina and she wasn't with him. She could definitely she could very well have been in California, even though he on the East Coast. And she might she be can't tired. Stop him from tweeting. She might be tired. She might be yeah, in a tribe fold and take a nap. Wake up and take his phone. But if you're not in the okay, same he's location, got money, he can get another phone. Right. Yeah. Earlier, someone made a mention about um, the support system. And basically, we all know that it's so important that we have people who surround us, who keep us focused, who keep us level-headed, who we can go and we can see counsel from. Who are some people in your tribe that you go to, just, you know, who you can just call on for anything, whether it's good, bad, positive, negative? Who are some people in your tribe who you know you can rely on? I think also, Brandon, to add on to this, I also think it's important to have people in your circle that'll tell you no. It's yeah, like, it's for you that's, yeah, that's so right. important because a lot of times, and we were just talking about Kanye West, me and Ye have the it's, um, the same birthday, not the same year, but we the same type of Gemini, okay? <laughs> so um, it's easy for us <laughs> it's easy for us to, to inflate and to, <laughs> why y'all laughing at me? I'm about to drop a word on y'all. <laughs> That's why she over there defending Kanye so hard. We finna send you over there to help him <laughs> not tweet. Right. <laughs> why are you laughing at me? That's why you been going so hard for Kanye. <laughs> That's what you just said. <laughs> but we are. We the same type of Gemini. And it's easy for us to inflate. And so it's important to have somebody in our corner who can like reel us back in. 
And I really believe that for Kanye West, that was his mama. His mama was his tether. That's who reeled him back in. So it's important, especially like for people as you know creative as me and Kanye, it's important to have somebody who can like reel us back in. And I feel like right now in his situation, there's nobody to reel him back in. Who telling who is gonna tell Ye no in his camp? Nobody. Mm, he need me around. Cause I believe like y'all are definitely a part of my tribe, but I got, you know, my god sister, Sean, I got my mama, I have my family. And one of the things that I love is I feel like if I'm doing something that is not correct or I could be doing better, somebody going to say, Hey, Lucy, what's going on? That's not like you. My god sister always says she tried right. to put me in the pocket. If I'm doing something, you know, and usually it's something kind of funny, but she was like, okay, now you need to get in the pocket. I'm trying to put you in the pocket. You need to get in the pocket. <laughs> You know, it's funny, but, you know, it's kind of like, okay, reel it in. But I do think it's especially important. But I do think sometimes celebrities do have yes people because they are um, they are trying to benefit off of that person. So you, I do think it's very important to have um, very genuine people and authentic people in your tribe. Don't yeah. have people who are trying to benefit or yeah. just yes people. You got to have somebody like, okay, Takoya, what you doing? Tony, what you doing? Tony, what right. you doing? baby, that ain't what you doing. So I do think it is very important <laughs> to have that tribe because that's part of keeping your mental health because you have somebody who can say, right. hey, you off your game. You know what's going on. Talk to me. Right. Right. Check on you like, okay, you ain't been yourself lately. Or we had this conversation and you didn't sound like yourself. Let me check on you. And let me put you back in your place. So let me just kind of give you some advice to make sure you're back on track. But I think that the most important thing is, like you said, not having people who are always saying yes, or I agree with you, or I think that's a good idea. But tell me I'm wrong. Or challenge me on something that we might have different opinions on. And we should be able to challenge each other and agree to disagree, but at least listen to each other's perspectives. So I think that's important. So do we have any suggestions or any final thoughts as we prepare to wrap up for tonight? Don't be ashamed of your mental health. Take care of yourself. We should be able to talk about mental health like we talk about going to get a checkup. You know, it shouldn't be no stigma. It shouldn't be no shame. And I think um, mental health is just a very, 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 very important part of our overall health. She said something earlier that was so powerful. She said, don't allow one experience that might not have been as positive or as um, successful as you want it to be, to be the ending of it. Find a different counselor or even if you don't want to go to a counselor, find someone who you can always contact. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, share your emotions to, you know, be vulnerable with. Um, that word vulnerability just keeps replanting my head over and over and over again. Um, just have people in your life who you can have those hard conversations with and don't be afraid to go there. Um, whether it's something that you've been dealing with for years, whether it's something that, you know, it might have just happened this morning. Um just be able to have a conversation with somebody and get off your chest. Don't walk around with built up emotions and know how to channel your emotions in a positive way. That's not harmful to yourself or to others. All right. So we're signing out. Another episode of Black Up. Black Up. Black Up. Black up.